All right, Hebrews chapter 6 is where I'm at today. Uh, I'm going through the book of Hebrews back and forth, uh, just kind of getting the verses, verse by verse on this. And uh, today, I want to talk about this idea, when God swears, when God swears, all right? Hebrews 6 verse 13 says this, For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear, by say swear, by no one greater, he swore, (laughs) swear and swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply you. So, having patiently waited, Abram obtain the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath is given as a confirmation to end every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by Two unchangeable things. One, a promise from God. Two, an oath or a, or a swearing from God by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope that's been set before us. This hope we have as an anchor for our soul a hope that's both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. I have a couple of ideas that I really want to communicate well today because I think they are pivotal, they are foundational uh, and they can affect the direction of your, your life, your walk with God, how God wants to relate to us. And uh, I, I think this is a pretty important message. Uh, I'm going to read a lot of scripture today because I want you to see how pervasive these ideas are throughout the Bible. But let me just start with this concept. Incredibly, God's relationship with mankind is God makes promises to us. Now let me just let me just have you pause for a minute. God is has no obligation to make a promise to us. If you're honest, you know you are half a mess. Well, maybe more. I, I read a thing that R.C. Sproul said uh, a, a little while back. He said, there are some people that complain and say, what do you mean there's only one way to get to heaven? One way to get right with God. He says, we ought to be grateful that there is a way. <laughs> and I think, I think sometimes humans posture themselves a lot bigger 
than they really are. And I want us to see this about the nature of God and, and the intention of God, the way he wants to relate to us is God is a God who gives promises. God makes promises to men. God makes promises to women. And the, the, the covenant that God has with us is built on the promises he's given to us. God's covenant with us is built on his promises to us. Now, I don't know if your thoughts are that my relationship with God is dependent on my behavior, but I just want to take the shift off, and I'm not an advocate for bad behavior, but I want to take the shift off of it all rests on you and have us recognize that it really all rests on God. And the, the concept of God being a God who, who commits, a God who promises, a God who gives an oath, a God who has a strong disposition to, to keep his word, to not lie, these covenants are the backbone of the whole biblical story from Genesis to Revelation. God is a God who, who doesn't have to, but he makes covenant. He initiates covenant. And I think we, we see in the Bible there, there is an old covenant, the Old Testament, and there is a new covenant, which is what we're learning about in the book of Hebrews, about the new covenant. But really within the old custom, covenant, there were, there were several times that God spoke to, to, to leaders and this was the covenant he had with man. So he made a covenant with Adam about the garden and, and what he should do in the garden. And if he, would, if he would do right, he would live blessed. He made a covenant with Noah saying uh, he put a rainbow in the sky. And by the way, God was the initiator of the rainbow. Thank you very much. So we're taking the rainbow back because uh, it belongs to God. But God gave a rainbow that was a covenant that he said, I'm never going to destroy the earth uh, with a flood ever again. I'm never going to have to go that far. Then God made an, a covenant with Abraham or Abram, and then we're going to read a lot about that today. And it's a covenant of blessing. It's a covenant of increase. Then God made a covenant with Moses, which was built on obey my commandments and you'll live. Disobey my commandments and things won't go well for you. He made a covenant with David saying, David, if you and your household will just continue to follow me, your lineage will reign forever. So all of those covenants were within the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. But then when we get into the New Testament where you and I are today, there is a covenant of, that God has made with Jesus. And for you and I to enter into God's covenant today, what we are entering into is His covenant with Jesus. In other words, we, get, we, we find ourselves in Jesus so if you were living in the day of Abraham, you would have to enter into Abraham's covenant because that's the way God was working with the earth. If you were entering in, in no, living in Noah's day or David's day, that was the arrangement. So basically, 
God is saying in covenant, I commit myself to you. I know you expect me to say that in church, but I, but I think there are battles that go on in our heads that make us wonder how committed God really is to his covenant in our life. The dailies of life come in and kind of knock us off course and our thinking gets knocked off course, our emotions get knocked off course, our, our choices can get knocked off course. But I just, I just wanna, I want us to build on this foundation, this idea. The strength of covenant with God is his commitment to me, not my commitment to him. I'm not the center of the story I'm just a bit player in the story. And when I recognize that I'm just a bit player, my story actually gets better, right? And God made a covenant promise to Abraham. And his, his promise was this, I will surely bless you. Now, I don't know what goes on in your head when you think about how does God think about me? How does God look at me? What would God say to me? Would you think God looks at us and says, I'm disappointed in you. I don't approve of you. I struggle with you. I think a lot of people battle those thoughts. And I want you to walk away today understanding and saying it to yourself over and over and over again and recognizing what God is saying to you. I will surely bless you. I, I will surely multiply you. So... Let me just tell you that it is about what he's decided is going to define the relationship, not what I bring to the relationship. God's covenant with us is a covenant of blessing and a covenant of increase. God's commitment. So this passage in Hebrews is talking about how God wanted to make sure we understand the unchangeableness of his purpose. And I just want to take us back to the very beginning and have us recognize that God's commitment, God's intention from day one was to bless man, for us to live blessed lives, for us to live lives of increase. God's full intention from the very beginning is blessing and increase. I want you to get blessing in your thinking in your heart, in your spirit. I want you to get increase inside of you because that's God's covenant promise to you. When God created the earth, when God created mankind, he built increase, he built blessing in. Everything about God and the way he works could be signified with this idea of blessing and increase. So let's take a journey uh, through a few verses. Genesis 1 is when it all is getting started, right? 
God said, verse 26, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creep that is on the earth. Right? It's, it's a dominion mandate. So God created man, verse 27, in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. And we'll look at God's first move. And God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. God saw all that he had made. Behold, it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. I think, to, I think to recognize that the original intention, the, the original design, God's first move wasn't to say, okay, God made man, now he gave him commandments to obey. God made man and gave him work to do. He, he actually, God's first move was, and God blessed them. God made mankind to bless mankind. God made mankind to be fruitful. God made mankind to multiply. God made mankind to subdue and to rule. And you got to get this in your heart. That God's covenant with you is that he is committed that you are living a life that is blessed and a life of increase. I know for some people, they think, you know, that just sounds like too good to believe. Well, I'm glad you're here in church today. God built increase into the way the earth would function. We were having a conversation uh, yesterday, uh, solving all the world's problems at the men's work day, as you do when you're men together. And, uh, you know, we're talking about all the ways that, that resource flows in the earth. And the truth is, there are people that today are multi-billionaires who are utilizing uh, channels that didn't even exist 20 years ago. So Mark Zuckerberg is, is the head of Facebook and is a multi-billionaire Young man, one of the richest men on the face of the planet, and all these resources have, have flowed into his life because of social media. The, the, uh, Jeff Bezos, who is the head of Amazon, who just started selling books a few years ago and has transitioned into selling everything. Everybody has Amazon Prime, you know, come on, every day that a box is on the front porch is a good day. <laughs> and but he is now so in other words there there are new and creative and innovative ways for increase to flow into people's lives that that didn't exist 10 years ago 20 years ago uber airbnb 
All these different ways that, that blessing and increase can flow into people's lives is now exists. And can I tell you that there's going to be something fresh and something new and something innovative in five years or ten years from now. God has increase on his mind. He has blessing on his mind. Seed time and harvest is the very fabric of creation. Plant one seed and a bunch of things grow out of it. So God's established this covenant of increase, this covenant of blessing with Abraham. And the covenant worked this way. God said, I promise. Abraham said, I will. In other words, two ingredients that, that exist that make this happen is a promise from God and you believing it. So let me just say, if you're sitting there today and you're questioning what I'm saying, it's okay, but you're never going to enter into what God promises until you could actually believe that that promise is for you. If you're unsure that this is a promise from God, it's very difficult to grab a hold of and say, that's mine. God's commitment is to bring blessing and increase into your world. So let me, let's look at a few more verses. I just, I just want to see a bunch of verses uh, about this idea. Genesis 12:1. the Lord said to Abram, this is kind of where it all starts, go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, to the land which I will show you, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And here's the purpose of it. So that you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. The one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Anybody, can anybody see the blessed idea? Can anybody see the increase idea? Genesis 17 verse 1 now, when Abram was 99 years old, you're never too old. Come on. I got to say this in first service because all the old people come to first service because <laughs> they can't sleep. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> But we all make up our own excuse. I'm too young. I'm not wise enough. I'm too old. I'm not gifted enough. And what I'm trying to get us to hold, get a hold of is it's not about you. It's about a God who made a promise, who made a covenant who swore himself to bring blessing into your life, to bring increase into your world. So Abram was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. There's a covenant from the heart of God, from the mouth of God, from the promise of God of, of blessing, of favor, of increase. 
increases in the covenant. God says, I will establish my covenant with you. So it's, it's not me going, God, would you bless me? It's God saying, I commit to bless you. Can, it, can you see what I'm saying? It's, it's God's covenant with us. It's God's arrangement. It's like, like my kids are out of the house now, praise God. And, uh, but it's like the arrangement I had with my kids when they were growing up in my house. And the arrangement was, I will let you live in my house under my roof. I'll put clothes on you. I'll feed you. I'll pay for your school. I'll buy you presents. I'll take care of you when you're sick. Your job is love me. And obey me. In other words, I mean, you know, the lion's share was on Suzette and I. And they just had this tiny little sliver of a job, which got very hard for them sometimes, as it did for all of us when we were teenagers, be honest. <laughs> and that's pretty much the way God's relationship is with us. I will love you. I will bless you. I will increase you. I will take care of you. I will watch over you. You're not having to ask me to do it. It's my promise. It's my commitment. It's the way I want to relate to you. All I'm asking you to do is love me and do your best to obey me. Genesis 22, uh, verse 17. I, I just want you to see if this is all throughout the Bible. We're not like picking verses and just making an idea. Verse 17, indeed, I will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore, so are the days of your lives. No. <laughs> that, that joke will not work in second service because <laughs> it barely worked in this service. But um, <laughs> and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. I love this. It's once again the promise from God that says, I'm going to greatly bless you. I'm going to greatly multiply you. But there is going to be enemies. Some of those enemies are in your own head, the story you tell yourself. So you're, you're going through a dry season and you tell yourself, it's over. It's not over. There's a God who's committed with an oath to greatly bless you. Come on, to greatly multiply you. 
And you might, you might be in a little bit of a slow season right now, but his promise still remains. Amen. Come on, somebody. And so some of those enemies are in your own head, in your own self-talk, in your own, in your own heart, but there are spiritual enemies, right? There are enemies in the world. You, you will have enemies. Not everybody is going to applaud you being blessed. Not everybody is going to applaud your increase. There's always going to be enemies, as long as we're on this planet, to our blessing and our increase. So let me just say to you, get ready to fight, but get ready to win. There is a fight... There is a fight. But come on, we're resting in the promise of God. We're resting, resting in the oath of God. So back to, back to Hebrews uh, chapter 6. So God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you. Everybody say that with me. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. Let's say that. I will surely multiply you. You got to get that script in your mouth, in your head, in your heart. Right? We, we, are, we are sons of Abraham by faith in Christ. And what I want us to see this morning is that God has not changed his mind from the very beginning when he said, let's make man in our image and God bless them. And he says, be fruitful, multiply, increase, rule. And he's not changed his mind about what he wants to do from the beginning. And he's not changed his mind through all of history the, the unchangeableness of his purpose is God is for you. God wants to bless you. He likes to, he's not just looking for his favorites to do that with. We're all his favorites. And this is the way that he wants to relate to us. He's, he wants to make a promise. And then he's, he's saying, I want you to hold on to that promise with faith. And entering into that promise, and it happens through a relationship with Jesus. That's the new covenant that enters into the promise that God wants to give. So Galatians 3, verse 13, says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it's written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The curse of the law is you, you can't keep the rules, and if you're depending on keeping the rules to have the blessing of God in your life, then you're always going to be failing because we all fall short of the glory of God. So, so the issue, the, the rearrangement, the relationship is it's not dependent on you. It's dependent on him. I can't say that enough. 
So he says, he says, he's redeemed us from the curse of the law, became a curse for us, took it on himself, for it's written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of, I will surely bless you, I will surely multiply you, might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Verse 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Your identity is not male, female, rich, poor, smart, not so clever, gifted, or seemingly you feel non-gifted, your identity is who you are in Christ. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to push the load off of you because that's what God is doing. The load is not on you. The, the load is on Jesus. He can handle it. This passage, uh, Psalm 107, and I, I could read really verses all day. Some of you are thinking you already have. But I could read verses to you all day about, about this, this promise of blessing an increase. But let's look at it this way. Psalm 107, this is kind of a, an interesting angle. Verse 33, he, God, changes rivers into a wilderness. That's not good. Things dry up. Springs of water into a thirsty ground. A fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who dwell in it. So in other words, in this earth, when God's hand is off, there's not blessing and increase. There's curse and stealing, decrease. That's what the enemy's out to do, right? Steal, kill, and destroy. So the Bible says it can turn sour, but then verse 35 says, but he could change a wilderness into a pool of water. He could change a dry land into springs of water. God can turn your bad into good. God could turn your good into bad just by lifting his hand. And what I'm talking about today is this idea that we are hiding ourselves in Jesus. We're entering into the covenant, the promise, the oath, the swear that God has given to say, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply you. Some, moving on, Psalm 107, verse 36. Therefore he makes the hungry to dwell so that he could establish an inhabited city. Verse 37. Then you could sow fields 
You could plant vineyards. You could gather a fruitful harvest. Also, here we go again. He blesses them and they multiply greatly. He does not let their cattle decrease. Just a just figurative picture for us to understand. I think sometimes people think work is the, is, is the curse. But I just want to say having to work is not the curse. It's when barrenness is on your work. You still plant, you still sow, you still gather, but God's covenant breaks the curse and causes what you put your hand to to be blessed, what you put your hand to to increase. God's covenant, you can look around the earth and realize that the curse is everywhere. Look at the news, look around you, but God's covenant is greater than the curse. And I love the way this passage ends up in Hebrews 6. It says, this hope that we have is like an anchor for our soul. A hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil. If you want to keep your hope alive, <laughs> you got to go to a secret place. But I love this idea. Hope can be an anchor for your soul. Here's what I know. Life can beat up your soul. Right? Your soul is your mind, the way you think, your will, the choices you make, your emotions, the way you feel. And have enough difficulty come and have enough enemies rise up and have enough go on, have enough crazy negative self-talk go on, and all of a sudden, hope for a better day can evaporate. But I'm here today to tell you God's made a promise. God's sworn himself. God's faithfulness, God's promise, God's oath to you is I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply you. And somebody say, amen. Let's thank the Lord. I want to pray with you today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, every one of us comes in today. Uh, the battle is on in our soul, Lord. Our mind, our will, our emotions, the enemies of life that come against us. And we just need to be reminded. We need to come up on the mountain again to recognize that the God who created everything, the God who runs everything, is made a promise, an oath, a covenant with us. I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply you. I'm praying, God, for every person in this room, Lord, that every one of us, let that hope be like an anchor to our soul. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, 
Can I just pray with you today? Maybe you're here today, you've never embraced Jesus as the Lord of your life. You've never really hidden yourself in His love, in His care, in Him. And today, you know it's time for you to surrender to His Lordship. Maybe you're here today and you could look back on a day and say, man, I used to be so in love with Jesus, so on fire for God, but I know I'm not there today. No shame, no condemnation, but today's a great day to come home. Maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand with God, but I just want everybody to bow their head, everybody close their eyes, and I just want to pray with you. If you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want to surrender to Jesus. I know I need to come back to Him. I just want to know for sure I'm right with God. Would you pray with me? I want you to lift your hand real high and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? All over the room, just say, yeah, I want to make sure I'm right with God. I want to be sure I'm found in Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Let's pray this prayer together. Everybody, let's say this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned, I've messed up, but I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning as I surrender to you. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord? Amen.